We're back. Hello, everyone. You're listening to Between You and Me, the weekly Marillion podcast that's just had two weeks off. If you hear <laughs> some funny noises in the background, we've sat down to record just as Sanya's developed a bout of hiccups. I think they've passed now. I think, I think they've, I think they've gone. Did you try to drink a a glass of water upside down? That's what you meant to do. How does that even work? I tried to hold my breath. That that didn't work. Mm. I think they've gone. Yeah, you got through that sentence, which you weren't getting through a sentence before. It was the shock of doing a BM pod after. <laughs> I know it's been so long. You know, I have really missed everyone. Well, uh, yes. If you if you're not aware, as I put on. Uh, Twitter and Facebook. Go follow us on there if you don't already. Sanya had an operation to fix a hernia that occurred as a result of a car accident that we had a year and a half ago. So she needed a couple of weeks of recuperation. Yeah, I couldn't sit up properly for a few days. So, so you couldn't get to a mic. Last week was out. Yeah, <laughs> couldn't get to a mic. Yeah, and it was perfect timing as well because we just had our biggest ever episode, which was the John Hardison one. <laughs> Way like... to capitalise on that momentum. Yeah, oh. Well, hopefully it gave people an, a chance to catch up with our previous episodes and. Yeah, that's what I was hoping. Those, those that, that came to the podcast knew as a result of the, the interview with John. I'm hoping that they, they took the, the break to kind of perhaps go back and listen to some of our earlier episodes. Now, if you remember where we left you, we said we were going to do the Afraid of Sunlight post bag in this episode, and we were going to do it all in one ep. However, because of Sanya's operation, we're a little bit, or rather she's a little bit behind with listening to the tracks that she needs to listen to for the next couple of episodes. So in order to buy her a bit of time and also perhaps to give you, well, perhaps not to to flood your ears with too many letters in one go, because we do have have a lot. I have printed out 22 pages. We've got 22 pages of your thoughts. I mean, the font is large, but... We'll try and summarise where we have to. Yes. Um, But as we've established before, all of you love... To express yourselves. Just <laughs> so, like us. Just like us. So we'll probably be splitting this into two. So sorry for those of you who kind of are a, a bit... Get onto the strange engine and stop talking about us, Raiders of Oh, we're not doing this strange engine next though, are we? No. After we've done the letters, we're going to be tackling the solo albums that came out in the wake of Afraid of Sunlight, which are... They're not solo albums, all of them, in a technical sense, because two of them are band projects, one of which is The Wishing Tree, Steve Rothery's first external Marillion project, unless you include the band Jadis, who he produced their demo. Uh, Then we've got the Iris album, which Pete and Ian played on. And then we do have Steve Hogarth's Bonafide solo album. And in fact, the only solo album he's done, he's done other... Is it? Solo projects with people. Oh, right. But that's the only solo album he's ever done. Ah. Well, and you'll all be happy to know that I have listened to all of these. And yes. I'm quite eager to talk about them. You are, aren't you? You've been talking so, to me a lot about them. I have. 
So we're all, we're going to do. Out of things to say. <laughs> we're going to do a week on those just because they're an important part of the story, and then the following week we're going to jump into this strange mm. engine. And you said they do influence this strange engine, without a doubt. Certainly, so, the wishing tree. You can mm. hear the influence there, and it's just interesting hearing what the various band members, particularly Rothers and H, do without the others around. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, it, it, it is. Yeah. They're fascinating in that respect. You know, when given the chance to do anything that they could possibly want to do, they choose to do that for better or worse. Sanya, mm. yes, <laughs> yeah, it is interesting, and it's interesting to see. Um, what well, I've forgotten what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, it's a good start. <laughs> Wow, great. And it's interesting to say, I forgot what I was going to say. Yeah. Should we just have some silence while you consider yeah, it? Yeah, it's fine. It's It was basically the same as what you were going to say, oh, just okay, in different well. words, so it's fine. Oh, great. <laughs> but in anagram form. Yeah. So what's been going on in Meridian World since we last spoke to you? Well, um, what's been going on? There have been a few sort of updates. The band have started putting up videos regularly. They're currently... Yeah, we quite like those, don't we? Do we do quite like those. On a Monday? On a Monday. Is it a Monday? That we watch them, them on a Monday. Must be on a Monday that they put them up. They're doing 15 random questions to band members at the moment. And uh, I think Lucy has given some updates on the album via Lucy's Friday Questions. I think she said that at some point they're going to go to Real World Studios again where they've been for the last couple of albums for a week or so to kind of knock the songs into shape. Oh, really? Yeah. Apparently, um, on the last album, Fear, White Paper, which, oh, by the way, I think somewhere... Oh, I know where. If you don't know, we... Oh, I have a Patreon patreon.com slash Mr. Biffo. We did put out a lost episode <laughs> up on there. Yes, we haven't uh, we haven't been fully missing this whole time. We did record a wonderful episode. Yes. I think. It, it was a great episode, but the reason we put it up on there was because we, uh, I had accidentally turned off the microphone. So we only had the microphone sound from the sound recorder, which was a bit And it echoey. was not, yeah, it was, it was not, not a great. good sound even though some of our earlier episodes have probably sounded worse, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> anyway, my point is I think I made a mistake on that episode, as my dear friend Anthony pointed out, where I said, I think I said White Paper and it was one other song, maybe Invisible Ink were on the same album. Of course they're not. But, you know, you say these things in the heat of the moment. Oh, Paul, you should know better. Yeah, so that's what I was going to say. White Paper, the reason why I was talking about that, now I remember, White Paper was a song that came together at Real World Studios. Apparently they oh, had really? it in a very rough form. Uh, and Mike Hunter said to them, look, I really think, yeah, they were just going to leave it off. And Mike Hunter said, no, no, I think there's really something here. Let's just have a crack at it and see what comes out. I'm glad they did. It's yeah, a great song. It's a great Meridian song. One of my favourites, It is, in yeah. fact. One of mine too. That's why I was bringing up white paper. Uh, yeah, we're also actually, we're going to try, um, my Patreon, just so you know, gives you the chance you can support the podcast for as little as one US dollar a month. Um, and we are going to try to get episodes up there early. We are a bit behind at the moment, so apologies for that. But we're also today, as we speak, we're going to try and record something a little bit extra 
for patrons. So I think I'm going to be talking about the first time I ever saw Marillion. Mm. Which will just be a sort of half hour mini app. If you want to listen to that, go support us on patreon.com slash Mr. Biffo, M-R-B-I-F-F-O. There'll be links in the episode description. So enough waffle. Shall we crack on with some letters? Let's do it. Shall I do the first one? Sure thing. So they're a mix. They're mostly about Afraid of Sunlight, but there are a few in there that are just general letters, aren't yeah. they? Um, so I'll crack on. This first one is from, well, he says so in his, his first paragraph. He says, hi, Paul and Sanya. It's me again, Paul G, or Daddy G, as you like to call me on the pod. Hello, Daddy, Daddy G. Hi, Daddy G. <laughs> Let's give them all nicknames this week. They're all getting nicknames. Because <laughs> I Daddy, think people seem to like it. Daddy G. Sorry if you don't like it, but you're all getting nicknames. Um, anyway, so I'm here to give my thoughts on Afraid of Sunlight. I fully expect yourselves and the listeners to be very positive about this album, as we were. It's clearly one of their finest, with only one blip on the eight tracks, in my opinion. Ooh. So a single year after Brave, I'm sure we didn't quite know what to expect. Beautiful was the first we heard as the lead single weeks before the album dropped, and was just that, a beautiful song. Hopes were very high. Gazpacho was a strong album opener, even though it sounds like the kind of song that Phil Collins could be belting out at Genesis concert on the Invisible Touch tour. Maybe a bit. Anyway, uh, he says it was clear that this album was going to be totally different to the moody and dark style of Brave, which it is. Then came the album's only loan point. Marillion are not a Beach Boys band, are they? When I first heard Cannibal Surf Babe, my heart sank. Oh, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> oh, he your says, heart he sank. says, this is Daddy G says, why, guys? Why? It does not fit on the record at all, but thankfully everything after this is great stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. And Cannibal Surf Babe, you said, was like the song that you used to. Yeah. Get people to listen to, to introduce them to the band. It's weird. I know tonally it seems to stand out on the album. Mm. But I think it fits as part of the... Because the album is so diverse overall. Right there? My glasses. Sonia dropped her glasses. (laughs) Um, I was shocked. Um, Yeah, I, I do think it fits. I think it fits. Yeah, I think it fits sort of in the, the thematic... In the yeah. element of it that, that they're, they're taking kind of different genres that from rock casualties, shall yeah. we say, and, and reinterpreting them. I don't know. Anyway, each their own. So he says, I love our Afraid of Sunrise and Sunlight have very similar lyrics, yet are different songs. The title track ranks as one of the very best title tracks from any of their albums. It beats the likes of Season's End, Holidays in Eden, does it ever, and Brave Hands Down. Um, okay, Paul. Here we go. What would you say, Brave or Afraid of Sunlight, as a better if title track? If I had track? to choose one, title track. Yes. If I had to choose one, it would be Afraid of Sunlight. But it's close because mm. I really love Brave. Mm. But Brave is. I don't That's know. That's a really tough question. It's, yeah, Afraid of Sunlight is so uplifting, even though the lyrics are quite dark. So yeah. Yeah. That's tough. Um, the four parts of marbles do not compare either, and I feel feel that somewhere else, happiness is the road, sounds that can't be made, and fear, while great individual songs perhaps lack the polish of Afraid of Sunlight. Mm. Technically as well, of course, Paul, you mean the song Living in Fear. I don't think there's a song on there called Fear, is there? I reserve the right to cut that bit out if I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might be a section of a, another song. 
what? anyway. Fear or living in fear? fear? Fear is a section of... One of the other songs. Oh. I reserve the right to cut it out if I'm wrong. Only this strange engine can beat it as far as title tracks are concerned. Well, we'll hear Sanya's oh, opinion on that very soon. I can't comment on that yet. No. I have listened uh, to it, but I'm just holding says, back. He says, which you will no doubt talk about very positively in a few weeks' time on the pod. Yes. Oh, Sanya, will you? Because you're going to be lynched if you don't. <laughs> we could talk I, about your history with that song. I nervously. Sanya's toilet break song at gigs. But will you like it on the album? That's what That's I'm asking. That's the question. It was never a toilet break song yes, because I didn't like it. No, I'm not, I'm not denying it was a toilet break song. <laughs> it was a toilet break song because, one, it was so long that I could go and come back and have hardly missed anything. Yeah, but... Two, I can hear it all from the toilets anyway. It's not... It's not a toilet... I see a toilet break song as a song which basically doesn't evolve or change much over its running time, i.e. Quartz. Uh, this is the 21st okay, century. Okay, I will explain Neverland. in that episode. I will Great ex- songs all, but but toilet break songs because you don't miss anything. With, with this strange engine, you risk missing a solo or a lovely atmospheric bit. It's not a toilet All break right. song. Hold it in. I will explain to you <laughs> explain to me my in a reasoning, of weeks. yes, in a couple of weeks, why it has been a toilet break song thus far. And we will also find out whether it will continue to be a toilet break song or whether yeah. it isn't anymore. Even when you've been listening to it for the podcast, you've been taking a toilet break in the middle. <laughs> Having a big dump in the middle of no. it. Well, Everyone's a critic. You. <laughs> <laughs> so not true. Uh, so sorry. Back to back to Daddy G's letter. Afraid of sunlight builds slowly and then turns into this crescendo of a chorus which you cannot get out of your head. Hogarth at his very best for sure. Uh, it always makes me feel good and gives me the same satisfaction that you get from Made Again at the end of Brave. It really should have been a single too. Hmm. Maybe I've never thought of it as a single. The others. <laughs> songs are generally excellent out of this world as an eerie otherworldly type of sound beyond you is a grower for me but it's too good to be left off the record the closing track king is regarded by many as a masterpiece indeed it's great stuff for sure and finishes off an album that i feel they have never bettered i'm sure you'll speak very positively of strong albums like marbles and fear on future pods and yes they're two of the band's best work but this album despite it being over 25 years old gets a 9.5 out of 10 for me wow. and would have got a full 10 if they had replaced that Beach Boys rubbish with another song <laughs> <laughs> anyway the ones that lost out were EMI who dropped the band after this album Meridian continued independently of course to kept churning out albums that they wanted to make and not what a big label told them to make mm. and long may it continue eh? regards Paul G thank you Paul Thank you, Paul. Daddy G. Daddy G. What would you have given Afraid of Sunlight out of 10? Well, I, I've said this before, that it's the closest I think they've ever come to a perfect album. And I also think it's... Well, no, I'll, I'll rephrase that. It's the closest I think they've come in the H era to a perfect album. Because mm. I think Misplaced Child is perfect. Oh. Even with <laughs> Espresso Bongo. Even with Espresso Bongo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So what would your score be, 10? Yes, probably up there. And you you are a tough marker. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, because when we were talking about, I as would... I say, I'm not... 
I don't love King. Yeah, that's um, my issue. I don't love King. Uh, I like it. I don't quite get the the love that it receives from fans. It's it's good and it fits. I don't know. Um, and it lets it me it down for me because it's the final song and I love an album to end on. Mm, on, on, a, on a high. I, and but no, for a lot of people, like Daddy Jesus um, describing it as a masterpiece, so for a lot of people it, it is did, ending yeah. on a high. Yeah, I'm talking about from my perspective, yeah. which I can only ever do, of course. That's correct. It is correct. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what I'd give it out of 10 because I really love the album, but... You love King... Brave more, didn't you? Brave got, got to you more. Brave got to me more, but Brave is such an investment to listen to. Afraid of Sunlight is really an album that you could listen to any time or just pick songs off of, mm. whereas Brave is kind of you have to want to listen to the whole thing. Yeah. Um, I'd probably give it... I'd give it an eight and a half or a nine, and that's just because... Maybe a nine. Like, I, it's because of King and I didn't, like, super love Out of This World. No. And I've, as I've explained, I've had a trickyish history with that, partly mm. because of its being. But the rest overplayed. of them I really loved, so. Yeah. Tough, I'd probably it? overall give it the same as Brave. Right. Because Brave had a few songs that I didn't love on it as well. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think I think on Brave, the low points for me, the few low points, admittedly, but the low point, the really low point on there for me is so much lower yeah. than any of the low points on Afraid of Sunlight. I agree. Or the lower points. I, I think for say. me, like Brave, the high points are probably equal to the high points of Afraid of yeah, Sunlight, but so, the low points are lower. So yeah. maybe Afraid of Sunlight does get a tiny bit more. I find it really hard to, to rate anything out of numbers, to be honest, because it's so arbitrary. Yeah, that's true. It's so. And your nine might be completely different to my exactly nine. how do you how do you say it <laughs> it's i know we all when we read reviews of things the first thing you do is you skip straight to the end and see what score it got mm. uh but it, it's it's not quite that simple and yeah, I, speak as, actually... I speak as someone who used to review video games for a living and you know jokingly have at times given scores out of like a thousand or <laughs> decimal points and things just because it's so stupid yeah so uh, yeah i think i think you know what it's really good to look back after a few weeks uh away from each album and i think i'd rate them both equally maybe afraid of sunlight a tiny bit ahead of brave i don't know well that's interesting because the sense i got when we did the episodes around afraid of sunlight was that you didn't like it as much as brave well at first at first it was hard to move past Brave. But it was hard because it had such a grip. It seems like you, and I think I speak for me as well, but I've had years of years of exposure to this music. That uh, Exposure to this music. It sounds like I'm building up a resistance, like viral load. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you need a vaccination. Viral load. There's, there's a phrase I hadn't heard of before last year. <laughs> um, oh, really? Anyway, uh, yeah, Marillion's music, it it does take time to embed. It's like it's like um, a fine wine that develops flavor. Its flavors over time. Yeah. The first sip isn't always the most indicative of how you're going to feel about it. Yeah. And I'm interested to see 
whether having had a bit of a break from this strange engine, you're going to yeah. react differently. To I did think about this the other day. I thought, oh, you haven't listened to it for a few weeks. I haven't weeks. listened to it for like two weeks, I yeah. think. Because I was listening to the solo albums, which yeah. I wanted to listen to more than once in order to get a better opinion of them. Even though we're not going to break down all the songs. But, yeah. you know, let's just say there was one of the solo albums... I needed to really understand <laughs> how I felt about well, it. Well, you're being diplomatic. That's not how you've been describing yeah, it Yeah, but to I me. didn't want to just go into the episode with my opinion and then maybe change it yeah. on a second listen. So, yeah. And there's one solo album so, that you've loved. Yeah, really loved. Like, and we'll talk about it next week. Not the one I was expecting. <laughs> we'll, talk, we'll, talk <laughs> about, we'll talk about it but, next week. Right. But I have already listened to this Strange Engine a few times and now I've had a couple of weeks break. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. I'm, I am eager to listen to it again. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on. Do you want to do the next one? Yeah, or sure. are you feeding let's up have... to it? Yes, I am. All right. Ready? Yeah. Okay. So our next letter is from our friend Matthias from Sweden. Yay, Matthias. Yay. He says, hello, Paul and Sanya. thought I would give you my review of Afraid of Sunlight. This could be my favourite Marillion album. It definitely stands alongside with Marbles and the best of the H era, in my opinion. Whereas Marbles has two of my all-time favourite Marillion songs, I just find Afraid of Sunlight a bit more solid as an album. Even though this is quite a straightforward record and not very complex, it took me many years to fully understand just how good it was. I liked it when it arrived, but I didn't see the masterpiece that I do today. Some people consider this to be a concept album, maybe not in a traditional sense, but it definitely has a theme throughout. And then Matthias breaks down the songs, his opinion of the songs for us. So we've got Gaspacho, great opener. It sets the atmosphere for what's to come. Fantastic, yes, inspired bassline from Pete, bit overshadowed by the other tracks. One that has really grown on me over the years and should be played live more often. I agree with that. I think Gaspacho is definitely overlooked I, it's a cracker of a song and it isn't one that ever gets mentioned as it's, it's no one's favorite it's no one's favorite but, but it's still nice but it's not a bad song at all no uh, and it does some really i think it's a really smart little song you know particularly that pete bass line yeah yeah with all the sort of bass runs in it and the i think it's yeah I think it's a, a overlooked let's have it live please band i've heard it live I think more. Oh, than probably because you've been to the conventions. So. Yeah. Oh, okay. Fine. Yeah. Um, okay. Cannibal Surf Babe, a good example of when Marillion goes out of their comfort zone and it actually works. A weird song. Love it. I just have to be in the right mood for it, which I get. I get. I get that. Do you know what is weird about it? Mm. I would always listen to Cannibal Surf Babe, and it because it, it and it's an outlier for me because, as I've established on this podcast, is how I sometimes struggle with their rocket aside but i don't know it's so fun i sort of rank it alongside garden party as one of their fun kind of party tracks i'll always it's a party track yes that's i will always listen to garden party and i will always listen to cannibal surf babe, babe happily mm. it just puts a smile on my face it always will lift my mood mm. i mean okay i don't love it as much as you but I think I'm with Matthias. I need to be in. I need to be in the right mood for it. Okay. But it's a, but it's a nice song. Beautiful, one of the best ballads the band has ever written. Should have been a hit. Got some airplay on radio in Sweden at the time, but it didn't help. 
Afraid of Sunrise, maybe the weakest track. Oh, what, Matthias? Maybe the weakest track, but still good. Love Pete's bass playing, gives me the road trip feel. The whole album has an American atmosphere in a good way. Yeah, we agree. Yeah. Out of this world, even though this record is very different to Brave, this is probably probably the one track where I can hear some of the same musical landscapes. Always love this song. Afraid of Sunlight, one of the highlights of the album. Great combination of atmosphere, but with strong melodic hooks. Meridian at its best. What I would also say about Afraid of Sunlight as a song, I think it's... Without it being one of their big epics, mm. I think it, it's a song that absolutely encapsulates what's special about Marillion mm. in six minutes. Yeah, or however long it is, I think it. I think it. It would. It is another song, along with Cannibal Surf Bait, that I did used to play to people and, and go this one <laughs> and that makes more sense to me than cannibal surf babe mm. as an introductory because it's more it's more typical of marillion yeah i think cannibal surf babe i used to play to people to surprise them and kind of go marillion aren't what you think they are have a listen to this but afraid of sunlight would be the one if i was trying to get people into them oh. as i did to you <laughs> oh yeah oh my goodness <laughs> oh it, it worked, it worked. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, Beyond You, best song on the album. Yes, Matthias. High five, Matthias. One of the best lyrics written by H. Just fantastic. And King, strong ending to a terrific record. I believe that a lot of fans thinks. I believe that a lot of fans think it's the highlight of the album. I don't agree with that, but it's still a great song. Okay, good. And finally, <laughs> I think in a lot of ways that this is Pete's album. His bass playing on here just blows me away. It's out of this world. And I also think it's one of H's strongest vocal performances on any album. Cheers, Matthias. I have to say I agree with the Pete. Yeah. Um, the Pete comment. Yeah, it is Pete's album. It's definitely Pete's he album. Is, he is, I'm telling shines. you. He is the unsung hero in a lot of ways because he he's sort of unassuming as a person. He doesn't. He's he's not he's not like the front man, mm. and I think his contribution, and as well, he's not like the main songwriter. It's like Rothers gets a lot of the credit, mm. yeah. And and Rothers on stage, he'll do a solo. There'll be a standing ovation. You know, he'll get the spotlight on him. Mm. And yet, Pete, and particularly Pete in relation to Ian, he's such a talented bassist. Now I've got a question for you. Sorry, just because you've said that about Rothers and it's true he does get solos he gets the spotlight on him um H rightly gets tons of credit because his lyrics and voice are phenomenal and his I'm sorry his, his, <laughs> H rightly so gets a lot of credit <laughs> laughing at me <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself H rightly so also gets a lot of credit because his lyrics are phenomenal and so is his performance and his voice. I've got, so this is my question. You've mentioned to me that in recent years, Mark has been responsible for a lot of songs. Well, a lot of, I don't know, hang on, I don't know if it's the music part or the whole song. So would you say that Mark doesn't get as much credit as he should? Well, no, I don't think he does because it was in a interview with, with our good friend Fraser. Mm-hmm. who uh, interviewed him for the, the web magazine and Mark in that sort of says that he, he 
he's has contributed a lot to the most recent couple of albums. Uh, and and it's weird that sort of surprised me. I don't know why. I feel bad that it surprised me mm. um, that I might have underestimated his sort of songwriting abilities. But that is more probably just a perception because Rothers and H get so much of the attention. Mm. Uh, and clearly, I mean, you you only have to listen to to Mark's solo album, Mark Kelly's Marathon, to know that he's a bloody great songwriter. It's such a good album. Uh, when did it come out? End of last year. Yeah, it's 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 one of my favorite albums of last year. It's a really good album. Really great songwriting, and so he clearly has a huge impact on the band and clearly in recent albums they're using more and more of his ideas mm. so uh, so yeah I think you're right Mark uh, and as well we, I can't remember whether we talked about this on the podcast but there have been a few times that H has mentioned of late on the Corona Diaries about how he's sort of letting the other members of the band just get on with the music yeah even I think it was even on their YouTube videos he yeah. mentioned he mentioned it once and that surprised me as well because I, I again I always thought he was you know, I know he, he has a he works at a different rate to the rest of the band, that they're kind of glacial and he is is like, let's just bash out a song and write it now and so uh I know that, but I always thought these days he was just sort of in the thick of it, they all jam together and and create songs from that. But it seems like certainly with this album, I don't know whether it's been the same with recent albums, he's sort of stepping away focusing on vocal melodies and lyrics and letting the band the rest of the band deal with the music mm. i don't know whether that is the case but that he certainly alluded to that of late mm. so yes i don't know maybe things have just shifted in terms of the dynamic within the songwriting letter yes from brad shaw or as i like to call him sex in the city what why oh carrie bradshaw it's good wasn't it that was it was that was that the joke well now you've given away that i i thought of that joke earlier and <laughs> wasn't listening to you because i didn't want to forget the joke <gasps> hey guys love the podcast and have been interacting occasionally on twitter yes more if you want to do that i know i don't do a lot on twitter i don't know what to do on there <laughs> i don't barely ever look at twitter yeah. sorry i'll try and do some more marillion related things it always feels here's the thing with uh with the twitter on this it's like you know i'm fine when i'm reacting as myself on my own twitter and talking about things not like do masses but i don't know it feels a bit dirty to just kind of kind of go hey who remembers this song i don't know just to get kind of what's the word traction or you know impressions click-throughs Aww. I like posts like that though. Ah, oh, okay. I'll try I, I do quite enjoy. I, I'm I'm more of an Instagram person, and I do. Do you enjoy, remember this thing? Yeah, I enjoy. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Get to add your two cents. All right, everyone, look forward to my forthcoming series of tweets entitled <laughs> "Do You Remember a Meridian Retrospective?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. So, uh, Carrie from Sex in the City says, "Sorry, Brad. I know we're just going to do it with everyone." Uh, hey guys, love I the podcast. I don't think you gave Matthias a nickname. 
Matthias. From Sweden. Glossius. Okay. Glossy, Matt. Oh, okay. Let's workshop it. That is... <laughs> that's convoluted. We'll workshop a, it. Yeah. All right. Bradshaw says, love the podcast and have been interacting occasionally on Twitter, but wanted to write in and say how much I enjoyed listening and hearing your thoughts on each album. Regarding being ashamed to be a Meridian fan, so this isn't about Afraid of Sunlight. This refers back to an episode a while ago, which was a popular episode. He says, I thought I'd share my perspective as a US fan. I'm a bit younger than you guys and most Meridian fans, but I've been following them for about 20 years. So I've been following them for longer, Brad. Are you sure you're younger than me? I'm very old. Uh, he says, I mentioned on Twitter that my introduction to the band was because of Dream Theatre and Pete's involvement in Transatlantic. So my whole experience of the band is probably a bit unusual. In the late 90s, I was a big Dream Theatre fan, though less so these days. When I heard Transatlantic around 2001, I of course became curious to find out more about Pete's main band. Soon after that, I saw a performance of Easter by Dream Theatre, accompanied by H. M. Rothery. I was blown away. That guitar solo, and eventually tracked down Season's End. At that point, I didn't know anything about Fish other than that he was the original singer, and I pretty much always favoured the H era of the band, though I do like Fish as well. It took getting into Marbles a few years later and then Brave and Afraid of Sunlight, but they eventually became pretty much my favourite band. Prior to all this, I think I had probably heard the name Marillion through Dream Theatre. They were thanked in the liner notes of one of their albums. And I remember seeing Radiation in a shop in the late 90s. But as far as I knew, Marillion were a completely underground niche band without any mainstream success. I grew up listening to classic rock radio and was generally steeped in 80s, 90s pop culture. And I'd never heard Marillion mentioned on TV or radio here in the States, not even Kaylee. I'm sure there were parts of the US where they had some airplay and exposure back in the 80s. I think they were mostly popular in the Midwest and Northeast markets. But where I've lived, they're essentially unknown. I've never actually personally known another person from the US who has even heard of Marillion. So for me, there has never been any sort of stigma about being a fan, but more a sense of isolation. There just aren't many people my age who are interested in this type of music. I have shared them with a few friends, and one friend in particular who was a big radio head fan did really like Marbles and Brave. Another who I gave a copy of Brave to said he could tell it was really well done, but had a hard time getting totally into it. That's always such a, I don't know, backhanded compliment. It's like, sort of, you know, it's like very good effort. Well done. I can see you've, so you've worked very hard on this. What would you prefer someone said? It's not my thing. But maybe they wanted to say <laughs> they appreciated the, the mastery in it. It's not their kind of thing. Okay. Okay. My wife has come to like a good bit of their music, so that's a plus. But mostly the only people I know who are passionate about Marillion are people from music forums or you guys. Thank God for the internet, indeed. Uh, ultimately, though, I'm fine with all this. Marillion are a band who, if you get them, you are sort of part of an exclusive club and everyone else is just missing out. The band have accomplished so much just to be around, still making great music at their age. Fear is a remarkably relevant artistic statement by a band their age. Their legacy is far greater than just how many top 40 hits they've had. Works like Misplaced, Clutching at Straws, Brave, Afraid of Sunlight and Marbles pretty much speak for themselves. Keep up the great work. I'll share some thoughts about Afraid of Sunlight, which is probably my favourite Marillion album. Ah, expect another letter. Oh yes, straight yes. away. Another letter from, from Brad. All right, so let's just jump into Brad's thoughts on Afraid of Sunlight. Uh, came to hit me... It came to me in the summer of 2006 after I had a pretty firmly become a Marillion fan. 
At that point, I had Season's End, Holidays in Eden and Brave, as well as Anorak and Marbles, which were the most current release at the time. Marbles and Brave had already upped my interest in the band considerably, but Afraid of Sunlight took things to another level. But Brave had hit me on an emotional level. At that stage in my life, Afraid of Sunlight hit me on a more personal level. I can't say I've ever been the self-destructive type featured throughout the album, but I was experiencing some of that same tension to a degree, and I found myself relating to several of the characters in the songs. I recall listening to this on the 4th of July while driving through thunderstorms as the sun was setting. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a good That image. is, oh, what a way to listen to it. He says it all somehow fit too perfectly. I've often said that Afraid of Sunlight is my favourite album, period. It has a weightiness to the style and production that just sounds like something great. Gaspacho sets the tone right away. The dreamy sequence with the Lennon interview gives way to Rothery's chiming guitar and Pete's amazing bass lines. I think this song has John Helmer's finest set of lyrics and H sings it beautifully. It might be my favourite Meridian song. There we go. Oh, wow. Okay, what I take, back, I take yeah. back what I said earlier in the episode. Um, he says, I love Cannibal Surf Babe aside, babe, aside from that one line. Tyrannosaurus Rex. Rex, gotta be. <laughs> <laughs> it's gotta be. <laughs> Yeah, I love the mishmash of the Beach Boys, psychedelic and punk. It's Marillion doing what they do best, taking chances. I suspect this is what H was getting at when he says the song Holidays in Eden wasn't quite wild enough. Yes, that's probably true. They got wild here and pulled it off. Beautiful doesn't need any more, many more words than its title. Heartfelt lyric with a lovely sentiment. Classic Marillion ballad. I don't think Afraid of Sunlight Rise, Out of This World and Afraid of Sunlight are meant to be connected necessarily, not lyrically at least, but they always felt like a little sweet or three-part mini-epic to me. Afraid of Sunrise is Meridian branching out towards something completely different. It's an evocative piece of music with a film score type of feel. Major goosebumps when the strings come in on the agave flower section. Out of This World is an incredible statement, even if it's not necessarily my favourite song to listen to outside the context of the album. I'd probably rather listen to the Less Is More version as a standalone piece. Ah, I'd like you to hear that, so let's see what you make of it. Oh, yeah. But it's tremendous in the flow of the album. The title track competes with Gaspacho for my favourite song, and when I heard the recent remix, I almost convinced myself this might be my favourite Marillion song. The line, small boats on the beach at dead of night, come and go before first light, is magical. Oh, it gave me goosebumps then, even reading it. Another very cinematic song with what seems to me to be a fairly complex chord structure, but it doesn't feel overly technical at all. Just perfectly crafted. Beyond You would be third candidate for favourite song on the album. Good stuff, well done. I love the Motown vibe and mono mix. It seems to me to be a song about a deep obsession, perhaps losing yourself in pursuit of someone else. Again, we all can't agree on what this song's about, can we? Mm, but I, I can see, I can see that meaning in it as well. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, it's just one of those songs that, that can be the, interpreted yeah. in so many ways. That was one of the meanings that I favoured. Mm. But yes, we've all we've all got a different interpretation of this slightly. But it does seem to be about not being able to be with someone. Yeah. You want to be with whether that's through obsession, circumstance, or because you've broken up with them. Could, could be dark or sweet, depending on how you look at it, but all very Steve Hogarth at any rate. I'm not much of a man, but I know who I am. I'm not sure what the original source of this is, but I've seen it said in several places that Beyond You, Now Shall Never Know, and House form a sort of lyrical trilogy. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is going to be something going forward as we talk about these songs that link. 
Oh. And I don't think it's even a trilogy. There are definitely other songs. Somewhere else is one. That link with Beyond You. Beyond You. Now she'll never know. House. I'm familiar with. I've heard House. The only, un- the only with... unforgivable things. Another one. Yes. Yeah. They all deal with themes of. I'll have to wait until I. Yes. I'm more familiar <laughs> with those songs. You'll know them. I I don't know now. She'll never know. Mm. House. I know the name, but can't think of how it goes. Mm. Sort of dub reggae, as they mm. always called it. They always called it. I think. I think the working title was the was the Massive Attack song. Or something oh, really? Like that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so Brad says King is a candidate for best Meridian album closer. Again, one that I'd rather listen to as part of the album than stand alone. But there aren't many times when I've heard it and didn't get blown away by the massive crescendo of sounds at the end. One closing thought, I love the symmetry of the first four Fish albums and the first four H albums. You have the promising but sometimes awkward debuts, the follow-up albums where the band is finding itself, the concept albums that take the band to a new level, and then the studies in self-destruction that are clutching at straws and afraid of sunlight. Mm, Yeah. That's a good parallel. We we said similar, didn't we? But yeah, he summarised it far better than I was. I like that wording, the studies in self-destruction. Yeah. That's... He said it perfectly. Yeah. Well done, Brad. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want do you want to do this podcast instead of us? <laughs> So our next letter is from Pete Joyce. Pajamas. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. See what you mean. Um, PJs. PJs. Pajamas. PJs. PJs. Pajamas. Sorry, Pete. Everyone's yeah, getting one. Yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so you really genuinely sounded like you were apologising for like a, an errant child there. I am. <laughs> you had just got you got to someone's house and the kid had sort of said. Something embarrassing, like, I don't know. That's... This cake looks like poo-poo. And you've got, I'm so sorry. Yeah, that's exactly what's happening. Pete says, hey, guys. Hey, you guys. Exactly. He says, I don't actually say hey, guys, very often. <laughs> but since you ripped the Pete so royally last time I wrote in, I shall now make a point of it. Brilliant. You recently made reference to the Corona Diaries. I hope you realise that you're pretty much about to cross paths with them fast approaching the end of the Brave Tour and you're about to hit Afraid of Sunlight. So you need some sort of crossover episode. Perhaps you could send Mr. H a copy of Memento and see if he mercilessly mercilessly oh. rips shreds off of it for being a giant steamer. At least he can't slag off the lyrics. Ha, ha, ha. Disclaimer, I actually quite like it. Good work. If anyone doesn't know... Do you want to explain? (laughs) (laughs) What what, what pyjama boy is saying? (laughs) No, thank you, Pete. Um, Memento, if you want to go to my Bandcamp, mrbiffo.bandcamp.com, Memento is the theme music that we use for the podcast. Um, It exists on there in 10-minute form. It's a bit of a prog epic. Uh, so you can go and buy it if you like our theme music. And incidentally, coming out on, I believe, May the 7th. On, oh, that's soon. That's soon. Yeah, on Bandcamp and Amazon, Spotify. 
and iTunes? Apple Music, yeah, and iTunes is my new album entitled Eschatology, which, as someone unfortunately did point out recently, is an anagram of Scatology A. I did wonder if it was. No, it wasn't intentional. To, uh... Anyway, it's full of prog epics, uh, kind of electro prog dancey stuff. So you can go and pre-order it and get a free track already. Uh, it's interesting, given that this time last year I'd never written a piece of music in my life. <laughs> so, um, but I'm really proud of it, and I think you might like it. So go give it a support. Yes. Oh, and uh, if you know anyone that works for Prog Magazine, <laughs> maybe they'd like to give it a review. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, you're reading this, aren't yes, you? Yes, I am. All right, some thoughts on Afraid of Sunlight. Pete says, It generally crept up on me. Even as a pretty regular reader of the music press, I was surprised by having zero warning of its imminent arrival. And the first I knew of new material was stumbling across Beautiful on the shelves of R Price, as I did my regular Monday lunchtime new release, Trawl. Of course I bought it immediately. As an aside, you haven't really spoken much so far on the multi-format nonsense that all bands did in the early 90s to get singles in the charts before they changed the rules. Not sure what that means. They used to release uh, singles in multiple formats, simple as that, really, because they'd all oh, count. Right. And there'd be different, oh, really? Different tracks on each version, but they'd all count as one sale. Um, uh, did they ever do that? Did they ever? Oh, did, they? <laughs> did they? That's how they got to number seven with You're Gone. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, oh. yeah. Uh, they they did, I think, over it. Maybe get a little warning from the from the chart people. Oh no, because they were encouraging, in none too subtle way, for people to buy multiple copies as well, which apparently is it was against the rules. Oh. I mean, not that it matters now because it's all about streaming and yeah. all the rest of it. But but yeah, but you know what the hey they got a top ten. Yeah, it still counts. Um, all right, I have I have most Marillion singles in at least two formats to get all those extra tracks. Fish still won on this front with that monstrous four CD thing for Fortunes of War. Oh God! And the horrendous backpack penguin thing of something oh, in the air. God. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> oh, the penguin! I'm remembering both of those things. The Fortunes of War box set thing that was bonkers. Wow! It was like this sort of gatefold thing that basically came with the space for four cds but you only got one but then you had to buy the others to make the setup and, oh my goodness yeah the backpack penguin i think we've talked about yeah we did before i showed you it yeah so if you've got a nice collection of music fit all your cds in and then nope there's this one <laughs> this one single that comes in a massive box with a penguin on it and the word fish underneath brilliant, brilliant. that's so fish though isn't it yeah he did lots of stuff like that. There was... Um, well, you can't say he's not original. Well, there was uh, the... What was the song? Hold My Head Out, a cover version that he released, which I think... Did, did it come with stickers that said, never mind the bullocks on it? Um, that it was encouraging people to sort of stick on like tube trains and... Was he? Yeah, stuff. Did anyone do it? I don't know, probably. Huh. I just wanted to keep the sticker. <laughs> Fish, never mind the bullocks. 
But here was the thing with it, right? It was this Never Mind the Bullock sticker, mm. which had nothing to do with the song or the album that the song came off of or anything. So what did it refer to? I think the fact that he lived on a farm. I don't know. It was some in-joke with Fish and his mates. I don't know. I never understood it. It was like, why? Why? What? So someone seeing the sticker on the train wouldn't know that it was about Fish the singer. I think it had probably the Fish logo on there or whatever. And it, then it said, never mind the Bullocks. I, I never understood it. <laughs> you need to ask him. Yeah. Why, what? What was the joke? Right into Fish on Fridays. Yeah. And a picture. I think it had a picture of a bull on there as well. To just to add confusion to to matters. That was the sticker. Oh, that's not what I was imagining. Yes. What? That would have confused it me. It was as confusing. Well. Now I remember the Hold Your Head Up, that wasn't the title of the single. It was that it was the Never Mind Your Bullocks EP. Oh, I see. Okay, that makes more sense. Well it doesn't really, because it had like the, the sticker that it came with. Yeah, the C D didn't have a cow on the cover. It came, oh, it came with right. a sticker that had a like a Ghostbusters logo of a cow shitting, with a line, <laughs> you know, kind of with a line through it, and the the lo- or the slogan "Never mind the bullocks." In it, it just like I don't understand. That's bizarre. Yeah, it it felt, shall we say, disjointed. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the best. The best way of describing it. I mean, it. I'm sure he's got a good reason for it and a story to tell about it. So maybe one day someone will ask him. Maybe they have already. I don't Just know. Just gone, what was that all about? Yeah. What do you mean? What's that all about? Oh, no. Don't anger the bear. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Pete continues. He says, I love the Marillion singles that came in the nicely finished boxes with badges and postcards and stuff. Oh, yeah. Cover my eyes, CD, and no one can, seven inch. I had that lovely, lovely, he put in. Okay, no, I'm I'm going to say this because I've got something to say about this. I had that lovely, in inverted commas, photo of H wearing the strange strange Mexican carpet slash rug thing. with With the rest of the band lurking in the background on... A beach adorning my wall for years. Sorry, I know exactly what carpet rug thing you're talking about. And I really like it. I like it. I had one that was similar. It suits him and it it was awesome and I'd actually get that for myself. It was very early nineties because I I had That's such an yeah, it's such a nineties thing to wear. I should state I got mine I think before H started wearing his. It was Did you now? Mine was grey anyway. It was Oh, that's boring, Paul. Oh my mother probably My mother probably bought it for she was always my dad was moaning about this yesterday. Right. About how my mum just buys you things without asking whether you want them and then go, You can pay me back later. She did that to me. (laughs) She stopped doing it eventually when I was raging at my dad about how she bought me these horrible shoes mm. and said you can pay me back later and she and then I was I was saying I haven't got the money to pay her back these shoes were horrible right? oh, no. they were horrible and I was like I was like you know I, had, I was a man with a job at the time I wasn't mm. a teenager anymore and I was saying I can't you know uh, I had a low pay job so I didn't really and I didn't need a new pair of horrible shoes with fur around the top boots brilliant um, and then I heard her shout the, out. They would have gone with the poncho, though. Anyway. So, and I take back, grey's a lovely colour. It's one of my favourites. Thank you. Anyway, she shouts downstairs. It's fine, Paul. You don't have to pay me back. <laughs> <laughs> that was the last time she bought me anything <gasps> that I hadn't asked for. Oh, no. She bought me this other jacket as well one time, which didn't have a zip. 
It was like a puffer jacket, but the only way to take it off was to lift it over your head. It was like cross between a, a puffer a jacket and a sweatshirt. It was so Where impractical. Where did she find it? I don't know. It's the most impractical clothing I've ever owned. I mean, it sounds quite, kind of space age and cool, but yeah, very impractical. Well, sometimes you just, you know, you just want to unzip something. Leave it down, open. Don't leave yeah. it open, but no, that, that wasn't an option. Amazing. We digress. Okay, we digress. Anyway, I liked H's poncho. Um, let's see. So, Pete continues. Oh, what does I... Uh, if I remember correctly. Okay. Anyway, if I remember correctly, the album hit soon after the single, and I can't say I was sold straight away, but that's usually the way for me with New Marillion albums. Do I like the album? Yes. Do I love it? Almost. Ooh. I actually like the cover, despite any vaguely biblical overtones, which aren't my thing. I think it's the contrast of the black and the flames, because who doesn't like the contrast of flames cutting through the gloom? The lack of proper band... People whose house is on fire? (laughs) (laughs) People who live in a burning building? Live in? Who lives in a burning building? People who live in a flammable building. Okay. The lack of (laughs) proper band name logo disappointed me again, though. With the fourth complete artwork style change in as many albums, it just seemed to me like they were losing their visual identity. All right. And now I'll leave the real in-depth stuff to you guys, but here are my highs and lows. First, Beyond You as far as I'm concerned, is the pinnacle of this album. Well done, PJ. By far. And pretty high in their career full stop. Probably because it sounded... Sorry. Probably because it soundtracked and lyrically describes, in my mind, that period of my life. Uh, In mid-late 95, I decided I'd go and spend a year in Australia... Being the 90s, the only practical way to take music with me was on a Walkman with about 10 meticulously curated compilation tapes. And I had room for only a couple of albums, a couple of complete albums. Being their latest and still growing on me, Afraid of Sunlight made the cut. In case you're interested, misplaced childhood and singles collection, but with additions to fill up both 90-minute tapes and the glaring omissions, Sugar mice. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, no, it's a bit. No, the, cut the, out the, that. Okay. The brackets, the brackets were cut a bit out. confusing there, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say that. There was some interesting bracket work going on that <laughs> the Sanya's clearly struggled with. is you're laughing without your hernia giving I you know. massive pain. This is a miracle. Thank you, Pete, for that opportunity. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, no, well, from what I understood is he he was able to take Afraid of Sunlight in full. Yeah, and then Misplaced, misplaced Childhood moments. and the singles. Yes, okay. yes, yes, yes. Right. Anyway, back to Beyond You. The stare through the window line made me tear up every time. As you could imagine, it probably would when you've met the girl of your dreams on the other side of the world and then... Sorry, I'm still laughing about... (laughs) 
Andy. About what? The brackets? Okay, Whew. come back to Earth. All right. Anyway, back to... Anyway, back to Beyond You. The stare through the window line makes me tear up. <laughs> <laughs> Why have they made you laugh so much? I don't know. I haven't stopped from before. Okay. <laughs> anyway, back to Beyond You. <laughs> I need a sip of water. It's I need, not... to, I need a, a pause between reading that paragraph. <laughs> It was just the way that you said that I'd struggled. I use brackets a lot and I confuse myself when I'm writing sometimes. <laughs> anyway, back to beyond you. The stare through the window line makes me tear up. Oh, sorry, I have to start again. Just to warn you, there are some brackets coming up. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> brackets all the time okay <laughs> why did you have to say that i was warning why you why did you have to say that i know would you like me to read the next bit no no, I, I can no. Manage it. no brackets and all no i can manage it i can manage it i'm not laughing at the brackets i'm laughing at you telling me okay <laughs> anyway you're not going to get through it. I know you. I, I will. You, I will. I promise. This is all staying in. <laughs> no. Yeah, it was too funny. No, I don't want him to feel bad because it's not him. It's what you, it's your comments. Anyway, back to beyond you. The stare through the window line makes me tear up every time. As you can imagine, it probably would when you've met the girl of your dreams on the other side <laughs> of the world. And my glasses are fogged up. That's why I'm laughing now. As, oh, okay, let me read that paragraph again. You were doing so well. I know. Yeah, but then my gr- my glasses had were all steamed up and That's I was weird. struggling. All right. <clears throat> anyway, back to beyond you. The stare through the window line makes me tear up every single time, as you could probably imagine it would when you've met the girl of your dreams on the other side of the world and then spend the su- subsequent year or so doing the long distance thing that's our interpretation yeah isn't it yes someone that you can't be with yeah and for whatever reason that's why this is such a fascinating uh such such a fascinating song yeah who was it that said um uh oh it was pete earlier in his letter sort of said about us uh, dovetailing with, with Corona Diaries mm. I have asked H on his guest book a question about Beyond You well, what it's, what's it about mm. um, whether he answers it or not on Patreon remains to be seen but you know in a way I kind of hope he doesn't because you want it to I like the fact that we're all coming at this from a slightly different perspective but at the same time all kind of going it's about someone you can't be with mm. But the circumstances of that are vague enough that we're all putting our own interpretation on it and mm. kind of our own... We're all relating to it in a different way. Yes, which that's, yeah. Which that's what great lyrics really do. They become universal. And then it makes it more personal to each person. Yeah, yeah. Because they're able to put their own interpretation on it. Yes, yeah. Okay, so Pete continues. Um, in my mind, it was always a plain old love song. Sure, there are plenty of signs of pain and hurt and anguish in there too, but that's love for you in it. Okay, so then, Out of This World. This is one of those paint a movie in my mind songs. It just works for me. 
musically and lyrically. Why are you laughing? I'm not. I'm I'm still okay. Let me read that again. I'm so sorry for you who has to edit this. Not <laughs> just mine. Phew. Okay. Out of this world is one of those painted. <laughs> Don't laugh. It's when I get in those, in that kind of track of laughing and then I can't get out. Right. Of This World is one of those painter movie in my mind. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Everyone at home who, who thinks Sanya's being very inappropriate. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I once witnessed Sanya in, in, when we were at college have a fit of giggles um, a, about how Michael Hutchins died. Did I? I can't even. Do you not remember that? No, that's awful. It was pretty awful. (laughs) Do you not remember? No. So Sanya just laughs at inopportune moments. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it doesn't mean anything. It's not a personal thing. I get, and then once I'm sometimes when I get stuck into laughing, it takes a while to yeah get out. That's what I think, and that's what happened in that instance was so it's a turn of phrase or something that you get stuck on. Mm. that you struggle to get out out of and i think someone had mentioned about him being hung on the back of a door <laughs> please and you, you lost it and everyone was talking about a very serious subject it's in our horrible. on our counseling course and there was you this is why and i could the, never actually work as a yeah, therapist and the tutors had to stop the lesson and say sanya everything okay and you try to explain that it's like literally nothing personal. My brain just hooks onto something. Hooks in you. Yeah. Anyway, hooks let me on. get back to the letter. Phew. Out of this world is one of those paint a movie in my mind songs. It just works for me musically and lyrically. Soaring Brothers guitars, check. Lush guitar. Oh my god, I'm starting this whole paragraph again. Out of this world, this is one of those ah oh, again. But well, it doesn't help that again now he's gone mental with the, with the dashes. <laughs> Out of this world. This is one of those paint a movie in my mind songs. It's just so good. I can't believe it. Please help me. I'm not laughing at the sentence. I'm not. Okay, let me let me continue the paragraph for you. Out of this world. This is one of those paint a movie in my mind songs. It just works for me, musically and lyrically. Soaring Brothers guitars, check. Lush keyboard wash of musical textures, check. Passionate and pitch perfect vocals. Yup, got them too. If there's a classic H era song, I'd say this is probably it. Shall I continue? I'll do it. Can you? Yes. King, I'll be honest, I never really got this song. Same. Same. Lyrically, it's all good. It's pretty well trodden ground, or at least would become it for H. And the fear of the trappings. <laughs> Can I read that again? Because I wanna I wanna change the sentence around. Okay. <laughs> Hell. 
I think you've had weeks of pent up laughter that you've not been able to laugh. I haven't been able to hernia. laugh in so long because it's and now been it's just coming out. And poor PJ. I know it's getting... really nothing personal. King, I'll be honest. I never really got this song. Same. Lyrically, all good. It's pretty well trodden ground for H, uh, or at least it would become it, about the tr- the trappings of celebrity. But to my ears, it just seemed to rip the melody of a, Afraid of Sunlight and then just stick a big wall of noise at the end, Fair. which never worked <laughs> for me until I saw it live. I so agree, except I, I, I don't really enjoy it. <laughs> I totally agree. Yeah, I totally agree with it when he says, yeah, it never really worked for me until I saw it live, except I <laughs> except except, it's never really worked for me. Yeah, that even live. So yeah. don't agree. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, until I saw it live much later on, on the Radiation Tour at the warm-up show at Reading Uni. I've heard people complain that the sound was a bit weak at that gig, but from where I was standing... <laughs> What the hell's gone on now? Right, I'm. This letter is. I'm carrying on. I've heard people complain that well, the Sanya is just like gonna. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> she. I'll just let her laugh in the background. I've heard people complain that the sound was a bit weak at that gig, but from where I was standing, the noise was almost physically knocked me backwards. And then I got it. At last, I'm still not in love with the track, but at least now it doesn't annoy me that they used it to close their show for at least a couple of subsequent tours, but seemed like much longer than that. Cannibal Surf Babe, I can take or leave it. I'm not offended by it, I just find it strange. The lyrics about Mr Wilson and his sandbox don't get me excited. Weird if they did, Pete. Um, And I'd always wondered what someone who'd had sex with a T-Rex was supposed to look like. But then I asked Mr H on that other podcast, and now I know. Dishevelled, apparently. I remember you asking that question. Uh, he says, I quite like the idea that they wanted to release this as a secret single without letting people know who recorded it. But in hindsight, it would probably have worked as well as the Planetarium launch party thing for Brave. Yeah, fair point. Apologies for going on a bit. No, our apologies to you, Pete. We apologise to you. I really apologise. But you know how it goes when you start talking about your fave band. Yes, we do. We've done a whole podcast about it. Uh, Looking forward, as always, to the next instalment, Pete. Pete, thank you. Apologies for the interruptions in the middle of your letter. I'm so (laughs) sorry. I don't know what's going on with me. So this is our final letter of this week of what has been an absolute shambles of a comeback episode. I know. Apologies to everyone who is here from the John Arneson interview thinking, what the hell have we stumbled into? Let's just say we're a bit off form. No, uh, we're not. This is this is us. This is a true representation. Fair enough. This is a truer representation than that John Arneson interview. <laughs> That's horribly true. So, final letter from Paul Kirkley. Another Paul. There's a lot of Pauls, aren't there? Mm. Uh, Now I'm coughing. Started off with hiccups, then got stupidly distracted and laughter and now coughing. Uh, What should we call him? James T. From Paul Kirkley, a.k.a. James T. Why? James T. Kirk. Oh, I see. Hello, Paul and Sanya. Hope you're well. Well. (laughs) 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 
We were. We were. I know there's no such thing as a critical consensus among Meridian fans, and that's putting it mildly. But I often see a Fred of Sunlight hailed as Meridian's career best album, and I certainly wouldn't argue with that. It doesn't seem like anyone does, which is uh, good. For me, it has all the qualities that make the band so special. A deep emotional connection combined with sublime skyscraping melodies, but it's also a more disciplined and economical record than some of their more unwieldy and long-winded efforts. Like you, Paul, I vividly recall being shocked to see the record being included in Q Magazine's Top 50 Albums of the Year, even during the white heat of Britpop. It was rare back then to see Meridian being given any sort of credit by the mainstream music press, and it's a measure of the album's quality that it managed to break through even that robust firewall, even, albeit briefly. I feel I should declare my interest and say that I am a journalist critic myself and have interviewed many rock stars over the years, including Marillion and Fish, on numerous occasions. I was interested to hear Sanya say she couldn't understand why critics were so resistant to the band, given the depth of their music and their obvious devotion to their craft. But I think that, rather oddly, this is actually part of the problem, in that the critical rock orthodoxy of the past 30 years has been to be generally suspicious of anything that smacks of serious knitted brown muso pretentiousness. Even the concept of the guitar solo, of which Rothers is, of course, a god, is generally treated with the same horror once reserved for drum solos. Instead, critics tend to favour the narrative that pop music should ideally be young and energetic and noisy and sexy, be that the primal howl of punk or the sugar rush thrills of girls aloud. Personally, I've never subscribed to the view that music should be anything. That strikes me as needlessly reductive, but it's a narrative that seems to have stuck, and I guess there's not much we can do about it now. Though I have sensed a gradual, possibly grudging thaw towards Meridian in recent years. Yeah, me too. I should also add that, as Paul has alluded to on the podcast, Meridian and their fans haven't always helped themselves in this regard. Not just because of the hobbity band name, <laughs> horribly dated even in 1982, Mark Wilkinson artwork, but because they haven't always appeared entirely open-minded themselves, being wont to use dismissive terms like throwaway three-minute pop song. Personally, I think Girls Aloud, Loud's biology and Marillion's Neverland are works of equal value, albeit for entirely different reasons, and it would be nice if more people could be persuaded to leave their silos and meet in the middle. Sorry, that wasn't really about Afraid of Sunlight at all, was it? It really is a fantastic record, though. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Paul. Thank uh, you, And Paul. I think you make an extremely good point there. I actually really like some of Girls Aloud stuff. Biology Same. is great. I love biology. And I agree. I think... Uh, but it's in the same way that Marillion, and we've addressed this on previous episodes, ran scared of the prog label. So if they weren't prog, what were they? Um, and I know prog was not helpful at the time. And yet Meridian at the same time have shamelessly attempted to write pop albums and pop songs as well at points, as we know. So I think I think they've struggled with identity at points over the years of what they, to use his word, should be. Mm. Uh, and I think it's only been in recent years that they've kind of got what they are. Yeah, they, they seem to be quite solid in it now. I think so. I think they know who Marillion is and what Marillion is um, and what works best for them and what works best for the fans and what works best in the wider world in terms of perceptions about mm. them. Uh, but again, yeah, fans are, the music fans could be incredibly snobby and not listen to stuff like Girls Aloud with an open mind and can mm. kind of just go, oh, yeah, it's disposable pop. But 
Mm. The music industry was built on that. Mm. Yeah, the Beatles started out as a pop band and, you know, their their greatest songs are pop songs, the Beatles. I mean, you, you whether you like them or not, they invented the modern music industry in so many ways and invented the... You know, you know, they invented prog rock, let's face it, or at least contributed massively to what became prog rock. And anything from, I don't know, Taxman to Hey Jude to, you know, I Want to Hold Your Hand, they're all pop songs. And yet they're, they're put together with such craft. And it's the same with something like Girls Allows Biology. That's a cracker of a track. Mm, yeah, true. I wonder if it's kind of a similar thing with, like, I mean, I just recently discovered that I absolutely loved Taylor Swift's Taylor Swift's great. last yeah, two albums, yeah. Fol- Folklore and Ever- was it Emma- Evermore, the second one? Mm, I think so, yeah. Folklore and Evermore. You know she's got a new one out, re-recorded yeah. her early. I know, I saw, and well, the last time I listened to music, it, it wasn't fully out, only I think one track was out. Is it is it out yet? Yeah, yeah, it's out. Oh, I'll have to listen to it. Yeah, I mean, I have listened to those two albums so many times. It's ridiculous. Mm. And she was always seen as like, you know... Disposable pop. Yeah. 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 But I, yeah, and I think it's a shame. I think the snobbiness means that a lot of bands get pigeonholed and feel like they have to go down a certain path rather than doing something for instance that that someone like Stephen Wilson's done where he's mm. kind of gone to hell with genre I'm just making the music I want to make mm. and you listen to a band like U2 and now I'm not saying U2 haven't written anything good in the last 20 years but U2 just sound like U2 I don't see any musical evolution from them in any of their albums since Acting Baby. They just they just seem to kind of put out albums that sound like U2 because they're U2, because that's what people, you know, want. And I, yes, there might be some good songwriting in there. And look, I like U2. I like a lot of their stuff. But my God, I'd love to see them push themselves artistically. But... I get. I always get the sense from them that they don't feel brave enough to do it because of, they're afraid of the backlash. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. And like them or loathe them, Radiohead, they at their most commercial sounding peak, kind of just totally tore up the rule book and just started doing whatever the hell they wanted. Mm. And that's so brave. Marillion have never quite done that. I don't think. I I feel that when Marillion have been their most I hesitate to say experimental, but when Marillion have sounded less like what I would say is Marillion sounding, mm. it's more been in pursuit of, of commercial. Cannibal Surf Babe? Do you think that was in pursuit of commercial No, I don't. Success? I think that's different. Um, no, I don't. Uh, I'm talking more about something like Holidays in Eden and some of their poppier moments. Oh, right. Uh, mm. y- you know, I would love Marillion to be to have been more experimental at points, but I don't think they're in a place now where they would do that necessarily because I do think they're in a... I mean, let's be honest, the sort of latter stage of their career. I think Um, they are still experimental, but these days they seem seem to be, and I'm saying this as a newbie that doesn't really, you know, I'm not an expert... They seem to be experimental within their own style. Yeah, 
Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, so they're not sort of wild, making wildly different music, like just like, for example, they're not just like recording the sound of rain and using that as a song. Mm. They, they're true to themselves, but I still see them as experimental. Yeah. I Look, they, they were certainly on Fear, their mm. most recent album. Um, there's sounds on there, particularly. I, I'm, I'm talking about the levers here. There's, there's parts of the levers that I think are really surprising because they really don't sound mm. like anything else they've done before. But and, it still sounds yeah, like them. Yeah, and then particularly the levers then ends in a, a, a kind of euphoric, euphoric uplift that sounds a bit like something off a misplaced childhood. Mm. Um, I don't know. I, I, it, it's difficult to kind of. It's, it's difficult to sort of say exactly what I mean. I'm trying to find the words for it. One day on this podcast, I'll find the right words. Um, but because I think they're so talented um, that, that sometimes I, 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 I wish they, they, they do talk about, you know, having the freedom to do what they want. They talk, they talk about that a lot. You know, now that they're not beholden to a record company and they don't need hit singles, etc., etc. However, I don't believe that entirely. I think there is still a degree of them trying to sound like Marillion and and rejecting stuff that perhaps doesn't sound Marillion-y enough. Whether that comes from the producer, Mike Hunter, whether it comes from them, I don't know. Because they're also then, on the other hand, there are times in interviews when they do say that they do that. H oh, on the pod, on his podcast last week even mm. said that they because uh, he, he was asked I think this might have been on one of the Patreon episodes he was asked um, I think a, a question about singles or something like that you know and he's sort of saying that he doesn't have that urge to need a hit or want a hit anymore and but and how they wrote something in the studio recently that he sort of said sounded really universal and could imagine it being played on the radio and then they decided to throw it away. <laughs> <laughs> No, what, yeah. just because it sounded... Yeah, he said he caught himself. He realised, hang on a second, we're not trying to have hits anymore. Uh, oh, so they didn't throw it away because they didn't um, like... They didn't throw it away because it was like, oh, no, that's too commercial. They threw it away because they know. didn't he was, like you it. Know, he, he sort of laughed about it. Yeah, but it was too upbeat. It was too sort of life-affirming. To fit on that album, <laughs> yeah, or, too, or too life-affirming. To, and then he sort of joked that, you know... We I want to hear to, it now. We don't tend to write songs like that. Oh, I really want to hear <laughs> so, it. I hope they release so, yeah, it at some point. So there are, I think, there are elements of them kind of going, that doesn't sound enough like Marillion. Mm. So there is part of them kind okay. of... Pandering's the wrong, wrong word because that sounds like a really um, Editing. Term. Yeah, there is, I think, a, a degree of editing to not scare the fan base too much because let's face it, they're still a business. They're still making a living. So I can understand that... So I suppose, I guess, I'd rather they came clean and kind of go, look, we, we, we're not scaring the horses too much. We might, you know, mm. might make the horses jump, <laughs> but we, we're not going to startle them entirely and scare them to death. Yeah, that's, but, that's yeah. interesting because, like, for example, I heard an interview with Miley Cyrus where she says she's got her commercial music is her work. Yeah. And then she's got, like, a SoundCloud or, or Bandcamp, I can't remember which one, where she goes full experimental yeah. and knows that it would be stuff that would scare the horses away. Yeah, I'd love to hear them do some stuff like that. Mm. And if there is a way of them sort of putting it out 
that it didn't have to be promoted as a major Marillion release. Yeah. And that's the problem because by the time this new album comes out, it's going to be getting on for six years since the previous one. The longest gap they've ever had. Is it? Yeah, between albums. So they need to come back with a strong statement. Oh, what? Are you telling me it's been six years? It's getting on for Where it, has yeah. that time gone? Yeah. So they've got to come back with an album that, that rewards fans' patience. And that means fans aren't going to want them coming back and sounding like Girls Aloud or, mm. or I don't know. But I do, that's sometimes what I want for them. I'd love them to do an album like Talk Talk Spirit of Eden or that, that does totally tear out the rule book. Maybe they have. Maybe they will. Maybe they'll surprise me. But you know, if they do that, it, it'll piss off a lot of people. And they probably know that as well. Mm. So I can understand the reluctance to do it. But you think they'd be used to that after their career? You'd think so. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I, I, hope, I just hope they don't play it too safe. And by that, I don't mean I hope they do an album of songs that sound like Drilling Holes. Oh dear. Um, which again... Sounds... You think Drilling Holes is playing it safe? No. I, think, I haven't heard, I I'm not familiar with Drilling no, Holes yet. No, this is my thing. You see, Drilling Holes, I think... I believe it was a song that was put together. This is off of Marbles for those that are listening. I think it was put together. It was it was different bits of different jams that that then oh, right. um, Dave Megan, the producer, put together. But he kept pushing them to go even madder with each different take at the music, and then he put it together, and they were like, "What did we do that?" You're giving away. <laughs> this should wait until the it should, Marbles but it's illustrating my point. But yeah. somehow somehow as a song I, I don't I don't get that explanation of where it came from because it doesn't sound experimental or out there enough to me mm. it it sounds a bit curated it's like you know it's it sounds a bit it, it still sounds safe to me it right. doesn't you know as I, I I don't know I want them to make the art that I know they can make and not worry about what anyone thinks I mean, also they're 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 not a one man band. There's a few of them that yeah. would have to agree. That could take years. Well, indeed, it does. Yeah, <laughs> it does clearly. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, just, just yeah, just that there are times when because you you get hints of it, and I would love to see them do that one really out there experimental album that was more about texture and atmosphere. You don't think Brave is that? No, I don't, because there's still more traditional songs on there that I think I think it comes close. And as we've said, it would be a better album if you took out some of the songs. It would almost be that album. And they all talk about it as a masterpiece, and I wonder why they've never gone that route again. I read an interview, funnily enough, with the band prior to Radiation coming out in the early stages of them just starting to work on radiation which was the album that came after this strange engine this is a bit of a spoiler for a future episode but they said in that that they were thinking about doing a, a dark kind of concept album like brave mm. now if you've heard radiation it's not that it's it's like an album of oh. short pop rock songs what happened then i don't know uh, it's nothing like brave it had a very kind of edgy edgy sort of raw production which and I know at the time because I interviewed H at the time as he said they tried to make it sound I quote buzzy 
what it ended up sounding like was them trying to sound like a Britpop band a couple of years too late. It sounded like Marillion trying to sound young mm. with a prog epic at the end. It's it, it since had, since the 2013 uh, remaster that they did, it sounds way better now. I mean, it's there are some great songs on Radiation. And they Yeah, the remaster is, is a way better listen. But yeah, I don't know what happened. <laughs> hmm. What happened there? It's Maybe strange. the new album will be that dark yeah I'm, I'm not getting the sense that they're doing album. a concept album i haven't had that uh that sense yeah well i mean i did again it was in the youtube interview i think i did i do remember h saying that there seems to be a running theme of like death and coming to the end of your life what? or something William like that. writing songs about death <laughs> what they've never done that before <laughs> well, they just do an album called Death and Water, a double album. One, tra- one maybe it will be. Yeah, one side's called Death, the, the other, other side's water. Called water. Awesome. <laughs> Two discs. <laughs> just do it. Just do it. Get it done. <laughs> we know it's going to happen. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, oh, thank you for sticking with us. Yeah, that was. If you're uh, still here, if you're still here, that was our usual shambles. Um, <laughs> back to the shambles. Back to the shambles. So next week we're going to do some more letters. And yes. No doubt talk around some topics around those letters. Thank you for sticking with us for a couple of weeks of post bag because I know we did promise to put out one extra long episode, but Sonia needs to go and have a lay down. Um, well, I just need to. St- I'm not. I'm sitting up. Is still. I can't do it long term. Yeah. For yeah. long stretches of time, even though this was a long. So stretch what you of mean time. is, Sandy needs to go and have a lay down, like I said. <laughs> oh, and see now the laughing <laughs> is hurting. I think the painkillers worn off. But, yeah. Okay. All right, everyone. Um, what can I plug? Plug our Patreon. Um, there's a whole load of other stuff on there that is nothing to do with Marillion. Apologies for that, but we'll try and get some Marillion stuff up on there. Patreon.com/slash Mr Biffo. Check out mrbiffo.bandcamp.com. Um, if you go to the Red, our Redbubble store, again, I'll put links to all this in the podcast. Our Redbubble store now has Biampod merch on there, mugs Woo-hoo. and T-shirts. You've got yourself a Biampod T-shirt, haven't you? Yeah, it looks good. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. I haven't got the mug yet. I should get a mug. Oh, what? There's a mug on there. We do. I, I did get you a <laughs> mug badges. for Christmas, but it was a bit... It's a bit small, too small yeah, to use. I did mugs. So you've done a better mug. Uh, I mean, all this stuff. Badges. Uh, all this stuff kind of just goes back into the podcast. Yes. Yeah. You know, uh, we don't make a lot on Redbubble. No, Redbubble, just... you get like a few cents. It'd be nice if we went to see Marillion later this year at the Hamio. It's awesome Beyond Pod t shirts, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be cool. Yeah. I need to get one. You do. We should wear them. Mm. Uh, anyway, so uh, check us out on Twitter, Beyond Pod, Facebook, Beyond Pod. Send us an email about something. We'll feature it in an upcoming post bag. Uh, I think that's it for this week. I think it might be. We'll talk to you all next week. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.